Cuban Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. Had a couple of weeks off and all. What all what do you all feel are, refreshed? I do. What all are we doing on the show tonight? So on tonight's show, we're going to have a highlight of Agonorsa Leaf, uh, and including a Q&A with Eduardo Fernandez. Uh, we're going to talk about the seven most satisfying cigars of the year. Uh, and we also have an interview from last week with Toscano brand ambassador Michael Capellini. So we've got a couple of other things in store tonight as well. Uh, but first, let's light up some cigars. So I finally got it. It finally came in here at the store. I've smoked one, and I've saved the rest for the show because I'm very excited about the Undercrown Shade Suprema. So what makes this one different from the regular Undercrown Shade? Okay, so this is a limited edition, and it's in the Perfecto shape and all. The actual sizing of it um, is about a 54 by 6, so it's a little bit, it's, it's kind of between a Perfecto and a Solomon. It's almost got that flying pig kind of... Yeah, it's kind of Drew Estate's take on a Perfecto. Right. Um, and the one of them I smoked, this is, you know, it's a 6 by 50 to 54, so they kind of give themselves a little range. It's an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade leaf with a Sumatran binder and Dominican Criollo 98, Nicaraguan Corojo, and Nicaraguan Criollo. Say that five times fast. Yeah. So it's got a lot, a lot of things going on in this cigar, but the one I smoked was so enjoyable, and I said, hey, i got to save my second one for the show. So you couldn't save the first one for the show, like you give me such a hard time about. Well, you know, they came in, they were brand new out of the box, and it is my favorite cigar. I get a, I get a one-time dispensation for my favorite cigar, don't I? Says you. Okay, thank you. That's fine. So uh, mode it be. So speaking of cigars that we've both been really excited about, uh, when Austin started talking about going to the PCA show this year, see, I'm already getting used to saying that instead of IPCPR, trying to, trying to get on the bandwagon. Um, one of the things that I was most excited about is the new High Clear Castle from Foundation Cigars. Now, this is a cigar that I don't think you will have any uh, sort of forethought or desire to smoke. Is it, does the name High Clear Castle mean anything to you, Shane? No. So some of our listeners may recognize that the High Clear Castle is the name of the, uh, of, the, the Vic, um, of the house that is Downton Abbey. So the okay. actual name of that house is the High Clear Castle. So they started releasing their own cigars a little while ago, about a, about a year or two ago. And then this year at the show, Foundation Cigars announced the new one. This is called the Victorian. It's a Habano Ecuador wrapper, and it's supposed to be kind of a throwback to the very first cigars imported into England in the Victorian area. It's supposed to be kind of bring some of those cinnamon and leather and cedar flavors back to it. And so it's one of those things, you know, typically if something were named like this, I would consider it a... Uh, a gimmick cigar of sorts, right. kind of like with the Sopranos. But I've had the original, which is a Connecticut wrapper, a Connecticut shade wrapper, in fact, and I think you would really like it. I don't know if you've had one. Um, but this one, just a little toothier, a little more body to it. According to Austin, it was very, very good. Unlike you, I have saved this for the show. So I'm expecting to get some of that old world leather and wood and sort of mahogany flavors to it. Uh, I don't know how much flack I can take off a man wearing fish flops. <laughs> I'm just going to say. So I have owned these shoes. I have owned these shoes since June. Here it is now September. And t because we record after work, I usually don't have the opportunity to change into, into shorts and a t-shirt even though it's 100 degrees outside. But today I did. So you finally got... I've been wanting to see you give me grief about these shoes for three months. And it's I, I, it's well worth it. Well worth the wait. We'll put a picture on the Cigar Cast page of you of your professional attire. Yeah, by the time you've heard this, you will have seen the picture. But, um, but anyway, so that's the cigar I'm going to smoke. I'm very much looking forward to this. And it's a foundation cigar. It is a foundation cigar. It's funny because when foundation first started really making some moves in the industry. I wasn't a huge fan. The Wawense, I, I just doesn't really do much for me. Uh, neither does the um, 
the tabernacle. I know that uh, the 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 wise man Maduro and the tabernacle Havana seed. I I do like, but their first couple of things. Now, of course, they make the tartar oak that I love as well. So it's it's interesting to me that much like crowned heads first came onto the scene, wasn't a huge fan. As they've gotten into this sophomore year of their brand, and they're starting to really kind of settle into what what works for them, I'm really finding a lot to enjoy out of their cigars. Foundation Cigar is kind of like Breaking Bad. Everybody tells me I should love it, but the Charter Oak's the only thing they got that I that I will reach for on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, that's a really good... I mean, I like the analogy because that's how I feel about Breaking Bad as well. It's just not... It's not going to be for me. It's never going to be for me. I don't... I've never seen an episode. And I've watched and, the first season and a half. So, but with with Foundation, I, I agree. I, you know, I think if it weren't for the Charter Oak, I probably never would have given them another shot after the Y Wednesday because I just didn't like it that much. Like I said, I like the original High Clear Castle as a great coffee morning cigar, being that Connecticut shade. I'm expecting to like this one quite a bit. Uh, the Wise Man Maduro is better than the Wise Man, but not by much. And the Tabernacle Havana Seed is better than the Tabernacle, but that's not saying much either. But they are getting better, and I would expect that their next round of releases probably even elevates the brand. They're on the right track, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, it's interesting because I was talking to someone at Casa de Monte Cristo this weekend, and they were talking about the... Um, I, I'm that's the curse what I get, of lighters. That's what I get for letting <laughs> you borrow my lighter. You know, you can turn that thing up. No, it's out of juice now. Oh, well, mine is too, but here's my spare. All right. I always keep an extra. I was talking to someone in, about Casa de Monte Cristo. I said, you know, Altadis has really upped their game. He said, yeah, they finally started blending cigars for the American palate, which means you have to blend just a little heavier cigar. You have to blend a little more flavor forward. And I, think, I do think the American palate is just a little more demanding. And I think Foundation suffers from some of that. And we kind of talked about that with the Toscano guys the other night, and you'll hear part of that in the latter half of the show. But the American cigar smoker is just a different cigar smoker than the European cigar smoker or the South American cigar smoker, for that matter, too. So interesting to see that because you're right. They have really elevated their game. And last time we were talking to Sean, we talked about that, how the stuff they're innovating, the stuff they're doing is really about about really tackling this market, meeting American cigar smokers where they live. Yeah, and it's what you've got to do, you know, if you want to survive in there. If we have any listeners in Antarctica, I would like to know what the what the palate is down there. Just out of I believe they only smoke herring. Oh, is that it? <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be that, the Arctic. Circle. They like it a little fishy. Yeah. So let's talk about this Eduardo Fernandez Q and A that you sent me. Well, before we do that, I want to talk about his new cigar. Okay. I want to talk about the Guardian of the Farm Night Watch. All right. I smoked one before the show this today. I got here a little bit early, and um, well, I got here a little late. <laughs> it, it saved a window and doorman's life because I was able to calm down because I've had a window and doorman bo- bothering me all day about plan stuff. And uh, there's nothing worse. Real quick, for before we get too deep, I got to pull the show over. Send one email to a person a day. Don't send five. Don't send seven. Unless you get a response. Unless you get a response. Then the palette is clear. Yeah. But don't, you know, have the presence of mind to make a list of everything and send one email. We're all busy people. And this guy's been bugging me to death all day. And I came in here just aggravated as I could be. And Beth said, hey, did you know we just got the Guardian of the Farm Night Watch in? So I quickly rushed to the humidor and got one. This is an excellent cigar. This one scares a seven to death. I mean, it's that good. Really? And now, you and I are both huge, huge fans of the Guardian of the Farm. So, I know they released... Did they release this at the show? Yeah, they released this at the show, and it's just shipped. So, it should start showing up in everybody's cigar shops this week. And, I mean, just... um, It's an amazing... It's a dark Corojo Maduro wrapper, and it's grown under shade tents in Jalapa. So it's got it's so much so much rich flavor. It's very 
You know, all the time you hear people say the poor man's padrone. Mm-hmm. This is the poor man's padrone. Is it, is it really? It a is, lot of those similar flavors. A lot and of those similar flavors. A lot of that similar taste. I can't wait for you to smoke one. I think you'll. I may really have to grab one after the show tonight. Now, one of the things that I love that they're doing with this that you don't see a whole lot of anymore, but I wish you did. The twenty-five count box. I love the twenty-five count box. I agree. But the only reason I like it is because the twenty count box is standard. If it were the other way, I would hate it. But because anytime I'm looking at the price of a box of cigars, I automatically in my head do the math, divide it by 20, and figure out what my cost per stick is. So when you get a 25 count box, you feel like you're getting five for free. Even though it doesn't work out that way, it feels that way. Well, and this, this adds into an old cigar cast thing that we've been talking about since the dawn of the show, which is don't give cute names to your sizes. Right. Let's have a standard naming convention. And, hey, cigar retailers, let's all get our heads together and say, okay, we're going to all do 20 count. We're all going to do 25. Let's get a little uniformity across the industry. Well, to that point, this comes in four sizes. The Rambo, which is a four and a half by 48. The JJ, a five and a half by 50. The Campion, which is six by 52. I don't know why I pronounce that French when it's Spanish. And the Orpheus, which is a six by 44. So... <clears throat> Yeah, and I smoked the Orpheus. And the good thing about it is the 6x44 is a little smaller than I normally would smoke. That's kind of a, a long Corona, a Corona Extra, I would say. Yeah. Or and maybe I'll, a Churchill, maybe a short Churchill. It's, it's a different size, but the Agonorsa Leafs tend to burn just a little bit slower. Their product tends to have a little higher quality tobacco, and we'll get into why that is as we kind of get into the Q&A. Right, and one of the things I like, too, uh, is you can tell that this was never meant to be shipped to the UK because the Campion is finished in a 109 style, um, also known as a bellhead. Are you familiar with that slang term in the UK? I am not. <laughs> if someone's a bell end, it's a... Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> clearly, clearly not meant for the... Anyway. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I may have to grab one of these after the show tonight because I've really been looking forward to it, and I'm, great, I'm glad to hear that it's living up to your expectations because I know your expectations of this cigar would be much higher than mine. It's very high, and it's, it's a great smoke. I mean, they really put this together well. It's really blended well. I've really enjoyed it. I'll have many more in my future. And a retail between $8.50 and $9.95 is a perfect price point for that cigar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's always been the hallmark of the Guardian of the Farm is that they do have a great price point for a super high quality of tobacco. Absolutely. Speaking of which, this kind of leading into the next story, which is kind of our, uh, you know, cigar brand highlight of the week, is the fact that the original Guardian of the Farm was a collaboration by Kyle Jealous of Warp Cigars and Max Fernandez of Aganorsa Leaf. Nightwatch is a solo project created by Fernandez. And, you know, this article that Aficionado has about Fernandez talks about growing cigars and producing tobacco. I didn't realize till I read this article how much tobacco that Fernandez, that the Aganorsa Farms provide to the world. The other thing that I found really interesting is to find out how he got into the industry. And I think this is so telling. Anybody who's a fan of the Aganorsa Farms cigars will no doubt understand when he says that he got into the industry from no from meeting with Nestor Placentia. You that name is right. just so so synonymous synonymous with quality cigars and, and quality tobaccos in this industry. So they're saying they farm about twelve hundred acres of tobacco a year. That's a lot of tobacco. I mean, 1,200 acres, and it's in Nicaragua. It's good Nicaraguan tobacco. And Nicaraguan tobacco is just, I mean, it's my favorite tobacco. It I is mine, to too. Um, you know, I, I've been talking a lot about getting on that Dominican kick, but I really do always come back to Nicaraguan. One of the things that I think is interesting about that 1,200 acres, which is, I wish I had some frame of reference for how many square miles that is. I mean, it's, it's a couple. It's they expanded 20% last year and are probably going to grow 10 to 20% this year as well. So this is a this is a farm that is continuing to improve and grow and just just provide more and more of that tobacco. Well, and it's a series of farms. They're they're farming in all the three traditional areas in Nicaragua, Jalapa, Condega, and Esteli. 
So it's a, it's such a combination, and you get a little different little different tobacco from all those different farms. Yeah, and all the ground is just a little different. The temperature is a little different. It's it's pretty amazing. I've really enjoyed this article talking about him, and he talks about who all he sells tobacco to. And on uh, the um, you know, I was actually sitting here talking to one of the Gurkha guys before the show. And he was talking about, oh, the Gur- you've got to try the Gurkha Nicaraguan. Now, anybody that's listened to more than two seconds of this show knows I'm not a Gurkha dude. Right. But it turns out Aganorsa Farms has provided Gurkha with this Nicaraguan tobacco to make this special cigar. So if ever you were going to like a Gurkha, this is probably the one. The Gurkha, this is the best shot you got. You better. Was he going to give it to you or make you pay for it? Uh, either way, I'll, I'll pay for it as long as it ain't over $5. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the other things that I've, I just, uh, this is just about the article itself. G- go over to Cigar Aficionado and, and read this because it really is full of information. But I just love, you said they're, they're working with the new Corojo 2012, which is a Cuban uh, seed wrap, uh, Cuban seed tobacco. And it says, basically, Cuba doesn't sell its seeds. How'd you get it? He says, I got it in the States. Can't reveal any more than that. <laughs> Well, and this is a proprietary tobacco. It's interesting to hear, you know, we're getting, it's interesting that technology is getting to the point that we're actually getting into proprietary proprietary versions of plants. Well, and one of these days we'll go into the actual cultivating of the plant itself and kind of talk about from seed to priming and and not go past that point. Because we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, fermentation and... Uh, rolling and all these things, but we really haven't ever spent a whole lot of time just talking about how you grow the plant itself. I was actually up in the northern part of the state today and drove by a big tobacco farm. It's that perfect time of year where all the plants are just so beautifully lush and full. It was wonderful. And But part of that process, a lot of is not necessarily hybridization, but basically they do, um, they'll do splicing Right. With and there's a term for it and and one of our listeners is going to be screaming at his radio because I'm getting the terminology wrong. But basically they take a plant that is a known quantity that they know is going to yield well and they basically take shoots from that and they imprint it into the other leaves so that they get a consistent yield. Well, and that's been, you know, botanists and horticulturalists and agriculturalists have been doing that for centuries. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it, grafting is the term you were looking for. Thank you. <laughs> you couldn't have bailed me out 20 minutes ago? <laughs> oh, no. I, I, had, I had to let you struggle. And I'll, um, the last thing about the article I do want to hit is there are the, some of the brands you wouldn't think contain Aganorsa leaf, Illusione, Warped, all of Viaje almost, El Wawense, and El Wawense Maduro. Interesting. So, and the aforementioned Gurkha Nicaraguan, right? So, very interesting article. worth worth going through and reading. Not a lot of, um, not a lot of history on Fernandez himself, but a whole lot of just really good agricultural tobacco talk in this article. Yeah, definitely worth the read. So, I'm going to jump around from what we talked about before the show, and before we get to our break, I want to hit our kind of etiquette piece for the week and talk a little bit about uh, the article from Houston Press. Yeah, the Houston Press, they did tips and etiquette for visiting a cigar shop. And what's interesting is to start seeing these, you know, we we go over one of these articles every couple of shows, it seems like, and it's nice to see them start popping up in mainstream newspapers. And not just on aficionado or half wheel or some of the usual suspects. Yeah, and one of the things I like about this article in particular is the fact that the uh, photo for it is from the Briar Shop in Houston, which in Houston there are pretty much two main shops. There's Stogie's and there's uh, the other one. Shoot. The Briar Shop? Uh, no, this is one of the smaller <laughs> shops in Houston, and that's what I like about it. Um, Stogie's, what is the other one? It's like the cigar box or something, or, or something like that. My goodness. For all the show prep we did, and I could, and I try to throw something off last minute, and that's what happens. Um, but I just like that they're highlighting one of the smaller shops in the area because cigar smokers in the, in the Houston area are pretty much known to go to either one of those two. Anyway. So the first thing they, mean, they mention is quality. Quality is measured by how well a cigar burns. Um, and it says, and the biggest part of this, I think, tip is take advantage of the staff on hand. 
And I do think, don't be afraid to, to go up to the front register and ask. You know, I was in a new cigar shop last weekend, and that was my first question is, okay, what do you got here that I can't get somewhere else? Right, and that's one of the things that you and I both always try to do when we're experiencing a new place. I love a shop blend. I love, you know, getting a feel, especially if I'm in a city that I'm not familiar with. You know, this fall, I'm going to be spending some time up in New England, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, and and Massachusetts. And I love getting a feel when you're in a, a completely different area from where you're usually, not just about what I can get there, but Look at what they're smoking. Is it mostly Dominican? Is it mostly Nicaraguan? Is it big ring gauges? Is it small ring gauges? Is it, you know, Connecticut or is it Maduro? And just kind of getting an idea for what the community in that area really looks like. And I think that's really, really fun. So that's where that taking advantage of the staff on hand is a great resource. Oh, yeah. And uh, beginners start with something light. And that's always, that's a good rule, whether you're in a cigar lounge or you're just picking one up. It is, except that I would actually, I'm starting to change my mind on this a little bit. Now, I realize I'm going against the consensus for the most part, but I think a beginning cigar smoker can, doesn't necessarily have to go Connecticut. I say more important than starting light, start small. Start with a Robusto or a Corona would be even better. Because with a Corona, you can take this cigar, for example, which is packing a lot of flavor, the High Claire Castle Maduro. There's a lot of flavor in this. And it's got some strength behind it, too. But even in a Corona size, I think, I don't even know if they make one, a novice cigar smoker could handle it. They could enjoy the High Claire Castle. I think so, too. I, I do think so. Well, and that's one of the things, you know, the Kinetics are great. The Habano being the step up or the sun grown or something like that. You can go there without having to go all the way to Maduro. Exactly. There's so many grades in Broad- between. Connecticut Broadleaf is a perfect example of that. Right. You can try a bunch of different a bunch of different flavors. You don't necessarily have to limit it. And usually if you're advising somebody about a cigar and all as happens from time to time, Keep that in mind. Don't just put them on the lightest thing that's in the shop. Give them something complex. Yeah, give them something with flavor so that they enjoy it enough to come back. The third tip is, to me, the most important part of the article. I agree. Buy a cigar at the shop. Support the brick and mortar. Don't buy your cigar online and expect to smoke it in this shop. Right. Yeah. Always, always buy local. You know, we've got a good reputation with this shop. We both know Austin and all the people that work here really well. And occasionally, for the show, we'll bring in cigars that we couldn't get here. But it's one of those things that even though I know that I can get away with it here, I still always purchase from the shop when I walk through the door. Right. If I am going to smoke something that I've had laid back, something special, something, you know, during the Alabama game, I had a Diaz Glorious, the new A.J. Fernandez, which was amazing. That's high praise coming from you because you're not as big a Fernandez fan as I am. I'm not, but it was it was amazing. It was a really good cigar. I'm, it's their newest release, and I like I said, the shop I happened to be at had those, and I said, well, I'll pick one up and give it a shot, and I smoked it during the Alabama game, and it was amazing. But I did go purchase one of their cigars first. Right, yeah. Um, no. This next one I don't really like. So number four on their list is cut it properly. This This is one of those things that I think it's just a little elitist. How do you know to cut it properly if you don't know? You know, obviously, if someone who's been around cigars for a while should obviously know how to cut a cigar. This is one of those, again, go ask if you're unsure. You know, cleaning out the ashtrays when I used to work here, I've seen people cut the footband off and smoke it backwards. And I've seen all kinds of things. But it's a lot like how I feel about golf. Golf is one of those things that is so frustrating to me. Well, golf is frustrating to most people that play it. But there's nothing worse than trying to go out on a Saturday afternoon when you're a beginner and the marshal comes around or people are are behind you and they say, you guys have to pick it up. You guys have to speed it up. So basically what you're telling is you don't want any beginners on your course. Right. Uh, You know, that's one of those things that, like, way to to stop people from learning. So it's the same way with cut it properly. If you don't know what you don't know. Well, and it's oftentimes I'll be in here if I walk by and somebody's sitting there at the at the lighting and cutting station looking at it, trying to figure out which side to cut, yeah. I'll just offer. I'll just step and say, hey, can I help you with that? Right. 
you know, there was a nice lady in here the other night, and she was staring at her cigar trying to figure out. I said, hey, could I help you with that? Could I help you with the cut on that? And you can always go the road of, if you want to preserve the ego, hey, let me show you a new way to cut that. Well, I was in here uh, with a mutual friend of ours yesterday, and he was having a devil of a time trying to get his cigar lit, uh, relit, which is important. He's not usually a cigar smoker. He's mostly a cigarette smoker, but he was having a cigar that he picked up at the Caldwell event the other day. And he had smoked about halfway through it, and you could see on the head of the cigar where he had just chewed down on it to the point that he'd basically compressed all the tobacco. So as he was trying to relight it with a match, he went through probably 10 matches there, and he couldn't get it relit. So I said, hey, try this. And I told him to turn it the other way so that basically he rounded it back out, and it lit right up. Right. So, there, you know, just if you are going to offer unsolicited advice, do it politely. That's all. Yeah, find an end. You know, Don't be a cigar snob. Um, and we just, you know, number four is cut it properly. We just covered that pretty thoroughly. Um, I don't agree with number five. They say ditch the torch and use three or four matches. Nah, just use a torch. Don't put the cigar in the flame. Right. Set the cigar back and draw the flame to it. Yeah, if you want to use matches, use a match. If you want to use whatever form you want to use, use it. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to be as elitist at, you know, now I prefer a soft flame to most cigar yeah, lights. Because I feel like this one is more of a preference than an etiquette thing. There's no etiquette that says you can't use a torch. The whole accessory industry is built on torch lighters at this point. Um, the six, Number six, we've talked to death about the band, remove it or not. Do what you like and do what you see other people doing. Right. If you're in the shop and nobody's got a band on their cigar, go ahead and pull yours off. Although I have seen, in since we we were talking about, we've seen so many articles like this recently, these art, these etiquette articles keep you know popping up. More and more I see, um, take it on or take it off, leave it on, whatever. You, so I'm seeing less of the shops that their in-house etiquette was take it off. Right. I'm seeing that to be less of a thing. Yeah, I think that'll be a bygone era before long. And I'll um, enjoy your smoke. That's pretty, you know, That basically I think they're just saying don't rush. Yeah. Don't rush. You know, I, I spent last year fighting voraciously with crooked burns. Mm-hmm. And Pedro and I, after I rolled the cigars that y'all seen on the podcast or on the um, Facebook, Facebook page, Pedro told me, he said, you just smoke too fast. He said, you've got to slow yourself down. I've been telling you that for a year. Yeah, but, well, he's, he owns a cigar company <laughs> and doesn't wear fish flops. <laughs> and all, but, and it I is have, hard to take advice from someone wearing the shoes I am. I will give you that. But I have slowed down my smoking, and it has stopped a lot of my crooked burn. It has really helped a lot of that crooked burn. And, of course, number eight, control your ash. Well, this one's a little different. Control your ash, absolutely. This says try not to ash. There is very little I will judge a cigar smoker on. However, if I walk in and you're sitting there trying to smoke the entire cigar without ashing and it's not a long ash competition, stop. Right. Just just enjoy your cigar. You're going to ruin a shirt. You're going to... Well, yeah, that's the thing. You're going to end up ashing on the floor because you're not in control of your ash. You know, this is saying that it kind of serves as a temperature regulator. That sure, yeah, don't ash too often. Don't do like you would with a cigarette and, and roll it off through pressure. Just kind of tap it off. But at the same time, ash your cigar every inch or so. Well, or as you, you feel led. If you give it a good solid push, a good solid tap, and it doesn't fall off, it's not ready yet. Right. Just smoke it a little more and try again later. Exactly. And, uh, and then, of course, the, the classic, don't mash the cigars out. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's, as someone who's had to clean out ashtrays, I can tell you what a nightmare it is when there's been a cigar that's just been hard snuffed out in that. So we're going to step away for a minute, and we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about the Alec Bradley Project 40. So the name of it has to do with um, how how things impact your life. 50% happiness comes from genetics, 10 circumstance, and 40 is your outlook and mindset. I don't agree with that at all, but let's talk about the cigar. I would think you would. No, I think 80% has to do with your mindset, and the rest is just trivial. But moving forward... 
This is, I had one of these this weekend. I had the opportunity to pick up a couple. They're a medium filler cigar. I mean, we're looking at a box of 20 for $107. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. So you're looking at a good, you know, the wrapper is Nicaraguan. The binder is Brazil. The um, filler is Nicaraguan. This cigar surprised me because when I lit it, I thought, okay, this is another one of those kind of plain Jane um, medium filler cigars. It wasn't bringing a lot to it. But now when this warmed up about halfway through it, it really come alive for me. Yeah, it's supposed to be fairly on the fairly heavy on the spice and cedar side, which for that much Nicaraguan, I would definitely expect. I haven't had one of these yet, but I'm looking forward uh, to getting my hands on one. Well, until next week, try the Alec Bradley Pod Project 40. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. It's one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from Trey, the man who reminds us all, friends don't let friends smoke bad cigars. I like that. <laughs> no, very simple, very, yeah. very calm. And, I'll, and that is, you know, that is a topic we need to cover one day, how to tactfully get a bad cigar out of somebody's hand. And I'll, you'll always see somebody, they'll grab one, and you're like, oh, I know that's not, that's not going to end well. I, I always think is, have you had one of those before? That's a, that's a pretty good approach. Yeah. It just, it opens the door. No, but it was recommended to me. Okay. Uh, you know. Well, and sometimes I'll say, hey, I, I want a bunch of cigars playing poker this week. Let me give you one of these to try. Let them, let them have another shot at it. After they've purchased at least a cigar from the shop. At least a cigar from the shop. Yeah. Let them go ahead and purchase the bad one. Just don't let them smoke it in your presence. So, quick update on our cigars. My Shade Suprema. My only complaint I can have about this cigar is that it is so short. The size is perfect, but I would love for the size to be a little longer, a little bigger. To me, the best thing that you can say about a cigar is I wish it was about 30 minutes longer. Yes. Uh, the best, you know, and that's how I feel every time I smoke a Padron. Man, I just wish I had 10, 15 more minutes with this. Yeah, and, you know, especially this time of year where it's football games. My, now, my rule on a football game, I try to get a cigar to last the entire half. That's generally, if I can get from the time kickoff to halftime, I'm probably pretty good on my cigar mm. at that point. But the Shade Suprema is just, it's just a wonderful cigar. It is the shape the Undercrown Shade should always be. It's just absolutely, it, it breaks my heart that it's a limited edition and that I won't be able to smoke it all the time. And uh, what about the High Clear Castle? Uh, this cigar is really impressing me. It's... I would say the best cigar that Foundation makes. Now, as we kind of talked about at the top of the show, that's not exactly saying a lot, but it's, it's even better than that, if that makes sense. Right. It is not very spice-forward, which is I wasn't expecting anyway. Um, cedar, leather, a little bit of cinnamon as well. Like, there's that hint of sweet on the tip of my tongue. I'm really, really enjoying this. This, this is going to be again. I've still got about half the cigar left, but I can tell I'm not going to be ready to put it down when it's time. Well, and it's interesting as the weather changes, your palate changes, and as you know, I haven't eaten sugar or grain for six weeks. As we record this show, I'm going into my seventh week of not eating any sugars or grains. Twenty-eight pounds later, um, just my palate is changing. I'm noticing I'm getting more out of my cigars. I didn't know that quitting the sugar and the carbs would increase my palate sensitivity to such a degree. Well, I found that when I gave up alcohol, you know, I lost a lot of, you know, I, I was mostly a beer guy and really bitter like IPAs and things like that. So once I got, and, and bitter will blow a palate out super fast. So I noticed my cigar started tasting different, some better, some worse, but any of the little sweet or somewhat aromatic flavors, natural aromatic flavors, I was all of a sudden able to actually taste for the first time in years. It was, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, it's interesting. If you change your diet, you can always, your palate's always going to change somewhat. Mm. And all, but that also changes your satisfaction level of your cigar. Yeah, so we're going to try and highlight kind of a cigar experience thing every week just to kind of really keep it back, not just to the nuts and bolts of the industry, but really um, talk about the experience of, of, of smoking the cigar. And I think this fits that category super well. 
Yeah, this is from the Rob Report, which has produced a lot of good cigar articles this year. They have, they have been. They've, they've really, really been on it. Yeah, they've stepped up. It's the seven most satisfying cigars of the year. Here's my only con- complaint with this article, right off the top of the bat. They're most complex. You know, this is this is Rob Report in all of its Rob Report glory. The most complex is the Cohiba Spectre, a hundred dollar cigar. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a cigar that. Probably one person in our audience has smoked. Right. And I haven't smoked one because I can't bring myself to pay $100 for a Cohiba. I, I certainly can't either. You know, they got the Opus um, BMFs here in the um, shop today. BBMFs. Yeah. In the shop today. I cannot pay $75 for an Opus. Mm, I'm I just can't not, either. I'm just not going to do it. I can't imagine it being good enough from what I've smoked. Now, if it was a Padron special, you know, Something really special from Padron, I probably could choke out the seventy-five bucks for it. But even see, even there for me, I've smoked the fiftieth, and I've smoked you know a couple of the, I've smoked the little hammer, and I've smoked. I don't know that you, the the twenty-six is such a perfect cigar, that I don't know that you get double the enjoyment out of spending double. Yeah, it's you get a you reach a point of diminishing returns right. on your cigar dollar for your cigar once you pass that twenty. Five to thirty dollar yeah. mark. Once you pass that range, you kind of reach such a point of diminishing returns that I don't know that it's worth it's worth pursuing. Kind of going back to what we talked about earlier with the leaving the band off or keeping the band off. This is one of those I feel like you're smoking that with the band on just so that you can show people you spent a hundred dollars on your cigar. Well, that, uh, you know that's pure speculation, but. Well, and they did feature in the historical tribute one of our favorite cigars. I was so glad to see this cigar on this list. This is the My Father uh, La Granda Fuerta, which was your, I mean, outside of the La Promesa, the best My Father cigar you've ever had? Oh, yeah. I I actually think the Granda Fuerta is the best cigar my father has ever made. Oh, okay. uh, I like the La Promesa, but I think the Granda Fuerta is the best cigar that my father ever made. Yeah, and, and I think the La Promesa is a little bit better, personally. Also, price point helps that out. I think my judgment's a little clouded by the, the La Promesa being a little bit less expensive. But, man, this is just such a... F- and, and I love that they gave it the category of historical tribute. I think that's perfect. It is such a classic-tasting cigar. It is, but it's also a cigar that a novice palate can really enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, as we spoke about earlier in the show... I would not be afraid to hand this cigar to somebody that this is their first or third cigar. Yeah, uh, and my father does so, for a Nicaraguan cigar, Nicaraguan Puros, as all of theirs are, they do such a good job of blending towards a novice palate. Right, where everybody can enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Underaged, they had the Hoya de Nicaragua 50th anniversary Cinco de Cadas. This is my favorite Hoya that's being made right now. See, I'm just not that big a fan. I, I think they did such a good job of... And I, you could almost put this under the historical tribute as well, because to me it's such a classic Hoya flavor. It reminds me of the Hoyas I smoked ten years ago. Uh, I just I love what they did. Now, to be fair, I think the silver might be a little bit better for my personal palate, but I do really like this cigar. Well, and it, it's getting Hoya season as as the weather gets chillier mm. and deer season starts, and I'm out in the woods more. My palate tends to really like the Hoyas, the red, the black, the silver, yeah. the the um, the mixed one. The one they gave for the aroma is the Regis Maduro. Have you ever had a Regis cigar? I have not. So this is a cigar that I'm starting to notice. I'm actually seeing in most humidors, but I can't tell you the last time I smoked one. I think the last time I smoked one was actually when I was living in Atlanta because I was friends with the rep. And it's this... Its inclusion in this list makes me really want to go back and try it again. Well, it's a very understated packaging. You it know, is. the packaging looks very classic and all, and I, I, I probably would walk, have walked past it in humidors. Oh, I'm sure you have. You know, for that very reason. But yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to give one a shot. I'm definitely not going to shy away. Especially, I know you have because they have them at Belmead. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I've walked past it there for sure. And I'll, you know, um, they hit a couple of others. They hit Davidoff and... Does everybody have to hit a Davidoff? Is Davidoff just almost a cult at this point? I think so. I mean, you've got to think. It doesn't hit our palate, but there are plenty of people for whom it does. They wouldn't be who they are if they didn't make a good product. And that's the thing, that as much as we don't necessarily like the flavor profile of most of their cigars, 
they make such a high quality product. You they cannot do. discount their quality at all. Yeah, their structure and consistency is second to none. I will say that for sure about that. Um, the last one, last thing they mentioned was the cigar bar, and they had the Monte Cristo cigar bar listed. And we've been, both been to Casa de Monte Cristos. I think this is the one they have in Vegas. It is, yeah. And I have not been to this one. I've been to Casa Fuente, but I have not been to Monte Cristo Cigar Bar in Vegas yet. Next time you're in Vegas, you may have to. I mean, the picture looks really like a like an old school. It almost looks library-ish. Yeah, it's kind of boardroom where everybody's sitting at a yeah. table. And that is one of the fun things at the cigar shop when we all sit around up there at the bar and have conversations and yeah. kind of solve the world's problems. I think you and I spent 30 minutes arguing about helium the other night. We did. <laughs> and you don't want to get me started on the yeah, show. We're, we're not going to rehash our, that. We would lose both our listeners. But let's talk, let's take a quick few minutes and listen to our interview. Yeah. So uh, about two weeks ago, we sat down with Michael Capellini, who is the brand ambassador for Tarano Cigars here in the U.S. Um, had a really great time talking with him. We also, at that same night, got to sit down with Nate McIntyre. Uh, who we've had on the show before, as well as Adrian Strickland, who is the area sales rep for Miami Cigars La Aurora. So we'll have each of those uh, interviews coming to you as well in the next couple of weeks. But this was the first one we did with Michael Capellini. So enjoy, and we'll be back after this. We're here with Michael Capellini from Toscano Cigars, and very excited Toscano cigars, we've talked about them a lot on the podcast because I always call them the Glock of the cigar world. (laughs) You know, a Glock handgun, you can put it behind your truck, you can drag it five miles, you can get up and it'll still shoot. Correct. You can still light a Toscano under the same circumstances. I think these things would burn underwater. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I could actually tell you a story, something similar to that. So (laughs) So before we get started, we're going to light our cigars. Tell us what we're smoking. So uh, we're going, is it, is it too loud? No, you're no? good. Okay. Um, so we're going to go ahead and, and smoke the Toscano Originale. The Toscano Originale is, uh, gets its name from being the original recipe from 1815, the very first Toscano cigar that was ever rolled. Uh, it has an American wrapper from right down the road here in Tennessee with American and, t- and Italian fill. Uh, and actually in 2016, this particular cigar won the Cigar Trophy Best Medium Fill. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic smoke. It's it's a heavy smoke. You're going to get real nice notes of uh, hickory from the American tobacco, little nice creamy notes from the Italian tobacco. Since we fire cure our Italian tobacco with oak, and uh, you should get really nice notes at the end of molasses and some roasted fruit also. One of the things I love about these cigars is the fact that you look at this and it's it's what we would call a cheroot, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, you wouldn't expect that to last an hour and a half. I know, but. You know, I was my my cigar moment. We do an award show at the end of the year. My cigar moment last year was what I was telling you about: is being in Italy smoking one of these cigars. Yeah, that's awesome. It was the Antico. It wasn't this one, but and I was amazed at how it slows time down. Yep. You know, you expect okay, this is a quick thirty minute smoke. No, it burns so evenly and so slowly, and it just really. You said something earlier that people that are used to seeing premium cigars in this country aren't used to seeing a cigar that looks like this. Correct. But this is every bit of premium cigar. Well, yeah, it, it really is. And that's the biggest hurdle that we've had to kind of overcome since we started um, being mass distributed via my AME Cigar Company about three years ago. Um, a lot of people do fear Toscano at first, you know? Uh, A lot of people say that they're ugly. I will never call it Toscano ugly. I'll call it rustic or original in its own sense, if you will. But, you know, once you get past that initial stigma, once you get past that initial thought process about our cigars, it really becomes an enjoyable, enjoyable smoke. And a totally different paste smoke, too. Really is. Yeah. Um, And I love the idea that of the... um of being able to cut it in half oh, yeah, and share with a friend. That's something so totally unique to to your cigars. It really is. And if you want in a little bit, I can actually tell you the whole story behind that if that's something you're interested in I'd, learning. I'd so. love to hear it on the air. I'm sure our listeners would sure. love to hear it, too. Okay, sure. before he tells the story, I've okay. got to ask him a dumb question. Okay. There's no such thing. But I'll, I specialize in them. Okay, so I used to always light my... I have two lighters here. I used to always light my cigar with a jet, Okay. with a butane jet, but Trey got me hooked on the soft flame. Okay. What's the best for the Toscano? Well, it depends. I technically, if I have if I have it available, I like to use an actual match or a right. piece of cedar to, to light it. Um, but you know, anything with the least amount of butane ultimately is going to be 
the better way to light Toscano. So, so you say the go Julius. soft. I would yeah. say the go the soft. And then, then the, now, again, I've, it's, yeah. I, yeah. trust me, I've lit <laughs> Toscano. I don't want my followers out there to be like, yeah, but I see you with it. I do. I'm yeah. not saying that I don't. But if I had the perfect world, I would always light a Toscano with a match. Gotcha. Well, you can see the, the lighter that he <laughs> – that's a quad flame beast. Yeah, so. that might actually speed up the smoking of Toscano <laughs> yeah, just a little just bit. A little bit. <laughs> well, I'm notorious for smoking too fast. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm notorious for smoking too fast, and it makes me smoke crooked sometimes. <laughs> so it's it's nice to know. Of course, the Toscano, the way it's built is just so it's so rustic. You don't your burn is just going to be kind of different. Yeah, it is. It is, but fairly consistent, as you said earlier. I mean, ultimately, uh, that's one characteristic that most uh, American fumatori, as we say in Italian, and most American cigar smokers don't grasp, that this is going to be a really uh, even-burning cigar all the way down. It doesn't get hot at the end. Um, and this cigar, too, the, the originale, because of the way that the cigar rollers roll them, there's always like a little dent in them somewhere, and it tells the story of the cigar roller. Because we have 40 female cigar rollers. Uh, most of our cigar rollers are from the same bloodline from 1815. Oh, wow. So, like, you know, a mother passed it down to a daughter, a daughter to uh, a granddaughter or a niece, and it just, it's been going on since 1815. So, but they have 18, 18 months apprenticeship, too, to even touch a cigar. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty intense. It's pretty, but without them, I always say this about Toscano, uh, without our uh, labor-intensive process uh, which is performed by our farmers, both here in Tennessee and in Italy, in our five regions in Italy, and our cigar rollers. Toscana wouldn't even be in existence. And then the icing on the cake is obviously our amazing consumers and retailers who support the product every day. Uh, it's obvious that, you know, we started out as a small company in 1815, and last year we were in 67. Uh, we're in 67 dis- different countries this year, and we sold almost 230 million cigars last year. That's amazing. I have noticed that with w- since we started seeing the cigars here in this shop, that it took people, myself included, a while to really grasp the idea. Of course. But once it happened, and we were just talking to one of the most loyal Toscano smokers, I mean, it has become such that, that yeah, it, one, once you know what, what this cigar has to offer, it's really easy to keep coming back to it. Yeah, it really is, and that's that's something that um, we pride ourselves in. Ultimately, what we look at when we talk about Sigaro Toscano, Toscano cigars the very first time is almost an add-on buy, if that makes sense. Because, you know, most American consumers aren't going to go directly for Toscano at first. But then once they try one, they'll go back for another. Then they'll go back for a box. And then it just becomes their normal rotation cigar. And some, you know, I hear more stories more and more every day that this is my cigar now. And other cigars are other cigars are <laughs> rotation cigars. So it really is. It's, it's an honor to, uh, to have people have that sentiment toward, toward our hard work. So. Okay, so the Toscano only come in one size? They've only ever came in one no, size? No, so we have, um, we have a couple different cigars. So obviously all of our long formats are similar in, in size. Uh, six by 38. The largest ring gauge that we have is around a 40. Um, and then we also have our Toscanellos, which are half that cigar. It's literally the cigar cut in half. And the Toscanellos uh, here in the United States, we have five aromatic cigars. Uh, Aroma Grappa, which is Italian moonshine. Aroma Anice, which is anise. Uh, Aroma Cafe, which is coffee. Aroma Vanilla, vanilla. And Aroma Chocolato, chocolate. And then we have our normal non-aromatic Toscanello also. Okay. So, yeah, they, they have two, there's two different sizes, technically, to Toscano. <laughs> okay, so tell me about the rolling process. Because okay. I know, typically, you know, you have the binder, you have the filler, and then you, put, you bunch that... Then you put that on the, the wrapper on it. Is the Toscano made sort of that way, or is it all just one? How does it work? So that's a great question, and in particular for Toscano, it's a great talking point. Toscano doesn't have a binder. Okay. We're only wrapper and filler. Uh, the wrapper is, is uh, you know, it's a top-leaf Lajero, the full-leaf, which is incredible to see, by the way, in person. Yesterday, I mean, I've seen it in Italy, which is amazing, but to have the honor to go to uh, the farm here in Tennessee and see the leaf, it is literally, I'm, I'm not lying to you, 10 of my hands. That's how large the leaf is. So they lay the the, the wrapper leaf on, on their little uh, board that they have after it's fire cured. They use a, um, a corn paste to wet the leaf again. Then they bunch the uh, they have a bunch of the tobacco in, in a little pouch, and they kind of pull it apart until it becomes the length of the fill that they want it to come. Put that in, and literally, the, the motions, it's like magic. It's like witchcraft. The, ma- the motions that they use with their hands, and it just immediately just becomes this gorgeous 
uh, Toscano, they put in the little cutter, they cut it at both ends, and then they place it and it goes into the aging room. Well, that, see, that's so interesting to yep. me. Now, when you say grown in Tennessee, up in Clarksville area? Up so toward- we actually just bought a farm here in the United States. We've been using uh, Toscano tobacco, or uh, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee tobacco for decades and decades, obviously. Uh, but we just purchased, uh, I, I believe it was two years ago, we purchased a farm in uh, Spring Hill. Um, it's actually called Villa Toscano USA. And we also have a couple other farmers that we use their tobacco, too. So it's, it's kind of neat. It's, it's interesting to see. When, so the company's been around for 204 years. 204 years, yeah. So when did... Uh, see, I can do math. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, when did you guys start using tobacco in the U.S.? That's a, I don't know the exact date, um, but it's been decades and decades. You have, to, you have to think. In fact, one of the very first cigars, the one that we're smoking, was used, uh, they used an American wrapper. Okay, so, so it's been going even back. back since 1815. Um, I, you know, ultimately, what I've understood about the Toscano Originale is, is that they did import a bunch of tobacco from the United States to, to roll this particular cigar. Uh, and then it just became, you know, then, then not every Toscano cigar is rolled with American tobacco. We have just Italian blend tobacco also. So over the years, the American tobacco because of its differential in flavor because we use hickory here in the United States, which gives it that mesquite barbecue molasses um, scent, uh, taste in your mouth, combated well with the oak, which is a much creamier, lighter, buttery flavor. So yeah. as that as that started to get out, the as I said earlier, the fumatori, or our smokers, really started to love the mixture of both. And that's why a lot of our um, blends that we have are both American and Italian tobacco combined. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about Mike. Oh, well, where do I start? Um, I was born in a log cigar factory. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's funny. I, didn't even, I wasn't even in the cigar industry before I started working for Toscano, believe it or not. Um, I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania. My family came to the United States from Italy back in the um, early 1920s. Um, and there was an interesting thing that I found out when I was over in uh, the Luca factory doing my training. I found out that my great-grandmother actually used to harvest the tobacco for Sigaro Toscano before she came to the United States. So to find that out really increased my passion for this product uh, because essentially because of her hard work in the tobacco fields in Umbria, it afforded the opportunity for my family to come to the United States. And I actually get goosebumps every time I say this. And that afforded me the opportunity to do what I do today as the national brand ambassador for Manifatura Sigaro Toscano. That's phenomenal. It's, it really is. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. It really, I, I'm so proud of, you know, I'm proud of this product. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just become part of my life, which most Toscano smokers, it does become part of your life. It right. really does. Absolutely. So, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I was very fortunate to be uh, afforded this opportunity to work for, for Toscano. Um, I actually was got the job offer from a gentleman who lives in Scranton now. He was originally, he, he worked for MST, Manifattore Sigaro Toscano, and came to the United States because in 2015, we actually acquired the Avanti Prodi and Dinobili Company which is out of Scranton, Pennsylvania. They make similar cigars with, uh, that, that look like Toscano because the Italian immigrants became nostalgic for Toscano but couldn't get it. So the Sirachi family um, started to make these cigars uh, back in the early 1900s. I don't remember the exact date, but Luciano came over when Toscano bought them, and he was the one that kind of courted me and said, hey, we have a position for Toscano you might be interested in. You speak both languages. You, have, you, know, you understand both cultures. Would you be interested in... That's where I am today. It's such a perfect fit. Thank you. Uh, you know, I it was it was such a culture shock for me last year. Yeah. Um, I had never I had never been to Europe at all, and then and it, Italy has such a rich culture. Yes, and you feel it everywhere you go. And I feel like and and I'm, I promise I'm not just pandering here, but I do feel like you f- get that out of the cigar. Yeah. I don't know what it is, or if it's because of the connection I have to smoking it in Italy, but I really do feel like some of the culture and the the passion that Italians tend to be known for comes through in the cigars. Of course. And I always say to everybody when they first smoke a Toscano, just sit back in your chair. And this might sound corny, but realistic. This is, you have made my dream come true by saying this. Um, You know, I tell everybody, just kind of sit back, close your eyes. And realistically, this cigar is going to take you back to a Tuscan villa overlooking all the rolling hills in Tuscany with the vineyards to your left, you know, uh, gorgeous pool, silence to the right. And it just kind of washes all of the world's problems away for that hour that you smoke a Toscano. That's what it is to be a Toscano smoker. So, do you find a big difference in the palates from the Italian to the American? Do you find a 
is there a difference in kind of what they get when people talk to you about what they get out of their Toscano? Yeah. Do they? Is it very different? It's really. It's interesting. It's. It's not. It. I. Because I. When I first started and I first started learning about the tobacco and everything, I had assumed that most American people, American smokers, are going to say, "No, that's. I don't get that. It's a cigar." But as I start talking to people. Um, especially when I do my pairings with alcohols and foods. And, in fact, I have some chocolates over there that we're, we're going to do a little pairing later on this evening. They say, oh, my God, it, it is. I, I taste that. That's fantastic. And, you know, a lot of people are hesitant to do pairings with cigars because, you know, obviously cigars and bourbon are a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. Cigars and wines are a match made in heaven. But with Toscano, our tobacco is so powerful that it really, you really can taste the differentials when you when you pair a, a strong Toscano cigar with a strong bourbon, or a, a light Toscano cigar with a sweeter, like a limoncello or something like that. It really combats the senses, and it's and it's just like a sensory overload for people. It's awesome. It's a great question. I've actually never been asked that, so I'm glad that you kind of <laughs> well, pulled that out. Well, we spend a lot of time talking about the palate because you have to develop a palate. You know, you do. Some people say you're either born of one or you're not, but no, I think you have to. It's like anything worth it in life. You put a little work into your palate. Yep. Yep, you're and right. You, have, you know, my wife's recently switched from flavored cigars to real cigars. Okay. And she's had to spend a lot of time. You know, the first three months was just her palate was so jaded from the heavily flavored, you sure. know, the acids and all that stuff that it just took her three months to start tasting cigars. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, and all. And then the and the Toscano is such a, an original type taste. Yep. It is. Well, it, it's rustic. It's rustic. Like, you're, you are you are part of, uh, again, this might sound corny, too, but it's like you're part of the earth as you're smoking Toscano because you get all the earthy tones. Right. You get the woods. You get the roasted fruits. You get some leathers. You get, you know, I actually had a guy say, and he said just this, quote, unquote, this is in the utmost respect, and I mean this in the best way because it's delicious. I actually can sometimes taste the dirt, the soil that it was, that it was, that the leaf was grown in, and there's not many cigars out there that give that opportunity to a smoker, so... You know, it's it's interesting. I, I take pride in that. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's one of those that can go one of two ways when someone tells you that. Yeah, yeah. correct. <laughs> Which is why I wanted to fully right. make yeah. the listeners understand that that was a compliment. But I completely <laughs> understand what you're talking about. Um, so now, were you? Uh, you said you weren't in the cigar industry before you came to work for Toscano, but were were you a cigar smoker? Yeah, I was. I wasn't. Um, I'm guessing it's kind of a family thing. It, based it is. On so you know, my grandfather, who's 95, my nonno, who's 95. Um, he smoked Toscano a, a lot. In fact, he, in fact, when he was in the war, uh, he smoked Toscano a lot. He actually used to smoke the cigar with the cherry in his mouth so enemy fire couldn't see him. <laughs> Literally at night, that's how he used to smoke it. Um, and my other grandfather, my Pop Roccobaldo, he smoked a lot of the Avanti and Perotis because he couldn't get Toscano here. So it, that, that tradition of smoking the Italian cigar has been in my family for years. And that's kind of what I smoked beforehand. Um... I also used to smoke a lot of Liga okay. because I like a, a, a cigar with a good punch. Um, so, And now we were just having this, you and I were just having this discussion earlier. Um, you asked me how much I smoke, and I, I like to try as many cigars as I can so I can understand, you know, what's out there. But it's not to understand our quote-unquote competition because Toscano really doesn't have competition. Uh, we're such a different, unique cigar that to say that we have a direct competitor would be a lie because we don't. Right. And that's why I always say to everybody, if they say, yeah, but don't you think this cigar is bad? Or, and I, I always say, you'll never hear me say a cigar is bad because, number one, my credibility plummets. And then, number two, ultimately, who am I to tell you what kind of cigar you should smoke? I just want you to try our cigar and expand your horizon a little bit and fall in love with what is Toscano. Well, and the, the toothiness of the wrapper is just amazing. And I've never caught a stem in a Toscano. Right. And so I assume there's a, a big quality control there about is. how they get the stems out and everything like that. Is yep. it? And it's a, so it's all traditional. It is. It's all in the same factory. How many rolling rollers do y'all have? We only have forty rollers. So there's only forty rollers. That roll five hundred cigars a day. That's that's they, impressive. And they don't get up from the table until those five hundred cigars are done. Do the math, Trey. Yeah. <laughs> so, are the, are they working? Is it is it allotted uh, like per roller, or is it just kind of everyone works until the day is done? No, it's it's pretty much every cigar roller. Once they sit down, it doesn't matter 
how if long someone's it's, faster than right, the, that doesn't matter. Okay. It's it's uh, once you get the five hundred done, you're you're good to go. Well, because I guess unlike some of the other companies who are trying to make sure that all the colors match in this box, and I, you guys probably don't really run into that as much. No, because our tobacco is really sorted to the highest quality before the rollers even touch the tobacco. So anything coming out of the factory at that point is on par with everything else. It you should don't have, be. Yeah. Yes, it should. And and you know again I. I'm not in the factory right. every day. There, I'm sure that there have been Toscano cigars that weren't exactly what we wanted at the. But I mean, ultimately, you're still going to have a great smoke no matter what. I'm not saying that our. Uh, it's just it's normal. It's it's human human nature that once in a while you may get a little bit of a dud, but at the end of the day, it's Toscano too. And having such a rustic leaf can can you know do right. that. Well, we are running out of time. I really appreciate you setting, sitting down with us and, and kind of telling us a little bit about yourself sure. and the company. One of the things that we ask everybody that we have on the show is um, if you're stranded on a desert island and you only had one cigar but in unlimited quantities, what would it be? Okay, so I obviously am going to be very biased. Everyone has uh, been to this point, so that's perfectly all right. Right. So we've f- never had anyone go off brand. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever said Patron sixty four. Yeah. Well, the good thing is, is I, I'm not going to, especially just in case right. my bosses are listening <laughs> right. too. But no, kidding aside, the great thing about Toscano is it doesn't need humidification. Uh, so being on a desert island is a good place to have a Toscano. <laughs> so that's number one. Uh, number two, my preferred cigar would definitely be, believe it or not, the Aroma Cafe. The coffee aromatic cigar that really? we have. It is so delicious. It's light. Uh, it's got great notes of um, espresso, almond, and cherry on the retro. It's just always an enjoyable cigar, no matter what time of day it is. Excellent. Yeah. So one more question. Sure. So Toscano don't have to be humidified. They don't. But in the perfect condition, what's the perfect humidity to for it? Around 65. 65% humidification. That's really what we, you know, that's what we look for. But at the end of the day, I always tell everybody when they ask me that question, if your Toscano is too dry, put it in your humidor for a day. Take it out a couple hours before you're going to smoke it, and it's going to be a great cigar just the same. Well, look well, at he, that. Around here with the humidity we have. We oh, have my to, gosh. Yeah. yeah we're we're running, I know we're running out of time, but I have to tell you one thing. Yesterday we were out at the farm, and I gave one of the farmers one of our cigars. We were talking. He and I cut the cigar in half. As I'm holding the cigar in the field for 45 minutes, I can actually feel the cigar soaking in the humidity. It's not a lie. Literally, it started to get softer and softer. And so I was like, oh, my God, the humidity must be astronomical here. Yesterday in particular, it was 92% humidity oh in Nashville. So it was, it was r- ridiculous. Okay, you got to tell us the friendship cigar story. Oh, I'll, that's right. I'll, I'll have a listener yell at me that's if you right. don't. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the long format cigars that we have, um, we always say that there's, there's, there's a proverb in Italian. Trust between two men is when they're walking down the street arm in arm discussing whatever it is they want to discuss. True friendship is when those same two men are walking arm in arm down the street and cut a Toscano in half and smoke it together. So it's a great, great opportunity, especially if you're a, <clears throat> a smoker and you have a friend who doesn't always carry a cigar. Take it out, cut it in half, share that immediate bond with that person smoke it together and 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 you move forward and the reason that they started cutting them in half was world war ii because demand uh obviously production was normal before world war ii the men went to war uh production fell because there wasn't as high a demand the men that survived came back to smoke and sure enough they had to cut the cigars in half because the production wasn't high enough wow that's that's an excellent piece of trivia. Yep. Yeah, great, it is. great story to hear about it. Cause, yeah. And I've never done it. I've never whacked a cigar in half and handed half to someone, but now I have to try it you next really time do. I'm on the golf course. You really, and, it's, and it's a great discussion point, if nothing else. It's a great Although, conversation. Because I also can't think of another cigar that can handle it like a Toscano can. Well, and again, that's usually because of the binder. Right. The binder usually on a cigar, when you cut the, the cigar in half, the binder starts to unwrap. It's not going to burn even with Toscano. It will. You don't have to worry about it. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. I'm so glad that we met tonight, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Well, thank, thank you, Michael. Appreciate having All you. All right. All right. And, well, real quick before we wrap up tonight, want to talk about a shop feature. want to try and highlight shops that are doing unique and interesting things when we get the opportunity. And this is something that, Shane, I believe you've already been on the humidor.com today, right? Yeah, I perused it today because one of the things that really... So ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, which is a huge Florida cigar retailer, has launched an e-commerce site, thehumidor.com. And one of the things that really is appealing to me is they offer free delivery with no minimum purchase throughout the United States. Now, is this an extension of their shop or is this... 
in addition to their brick and mortar. This is in addition to their brick and mortar. Okay. They will also be offering. They had some great, um, really good sampler packs, and don't sleep on the sampler pack. Yeah. You can pick up some good stuff. And the good thing about the sampler pack, you might pick up a cigar like we talked about earlier that you've walked by in the humidor a dozen times. But because it happens to be in the pack, you end up with one, you smoke it, and find out it's something great. And the other thing that's great about this is that you can mix and match any of your own sticks as well. So, you know, buying online is usually a way to, to, to get access to cigars that you may not have in your local brick and mortar. But you don't necessarily want to buy a box at a time if you don't know if you're going to like the cigar or not. This is a great way to get the best of both worlds. How many cigars before you pronounce judgment on a cigar? Usually three. Think three. So for me, it's two. I was going to say it's two if it's really good. It's three or four if it's if, if it's just kind of not quite. I don't want to call a cigar a bad cigar on limited information, but I don't have any problem saying a cigar is good after only one or two. Well, and also if you you know if I light it up and I'm traveling, I I kind of discount my opinion of that. Or if I'm doing something else, mm-hmm. um, if I'm you know if for me to judge a cigar, I should be either on the podcast or sitting. On my back porch. Right. Absolutely. Where I can really enjoy it. But humidor.com, check it out. That's pretty interesting that they've really, um, that they're starting to get into that e-commerce, especially with all the legislation and all that stuff flying around. Absolutely. Speaking of e-commerce, one th- a, a website that I found out about recently, and I, I understand that you've actually ordered from them before, is cigarbid.com. I had never heard of this website before. I'd be really interested to know if any of our listeners were familiar with this, because I was not. Well, it's, a, it's an exciting way to buy, buy cigars. It really is. Uh, so basically, it's a lot like those pay-per-click uh, auction websites that you used to see advertised on TV all the time. You don't really see them anymore. Um, but basically, the more people buy a particular box or sampler of cigars, the price goes down. And now you buy it at whatever price you buy it at but you sit there watching it and it refreshes every 30 seconds or so and the price goes down goes down goes down and eventually it resets so if you've got some time on your hands and some patience you can watch it cycle through kind of figure out what the low point is before it cycles back up to the top and then you can buy it next time it goes down to that low low point and then once they're sold out they're sold out well, and where this also shines is in the accessory category. Mm-hmm. And buying humidors and buying accessories, they really do a good job on those in the, from the auction standpoint. Right. And all, I bought a complete Drew Estate set of the Smoking Monks and all that I still have some of them is left in my house. Is that where you got those? Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can still find those because, man, those were good. Yeah, I, I need to bring you another one. I've still got them sitting. They've been sitting in my humidor for a couple of years because I'm not a beer guy. Yeah. They're, they don't hit my palate quite as well. Yeah, I don't think I've had one since, what was that, uh, St. Patrick's Day two years ago when we smoked those? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, But let's wrap it up for the night. Um, the Underground Shade Suprema, it's solid six and three quarter. I mean, it's just right up there. It's almost perfect. Um, like I said, the only complaint I can ever have about it is the size. I would like it to be just a little bit bigger. Yeah. But great cigar, definitely when they come into your shop, get them while the getting's good. Yeah, and mine mine is absolutely a six. And this cigar I, I'm really impressed with. If this is where Foundation Cigars is headed, then I'm going to follow them all the way. Sounds great. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, please get a hold of us on Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast and on Twitter and Instagram at The Cigar Cast. And you can also email us at info at thecigarcast.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.